Several years ago, I had read through all of John Wesley's sermons, and so I preached the sermon series back in 2018 on Wesley's wisdom. Well, recently, I've read through John Wesley's journal, and I didn't read through the whole 26 volumes of that, but somebody condensed, uh, condensed it down to about 500 pages. And having gone through that, there's some wonderful reminders for us, not just what to believe, but how we are to live, about who we can be. So I want us to just spend a couple of weeks together looking at what Wesley did and say, hey, how, how does that need to be my life? But more importantly, what we're really going to do is go through the book of 2 Corinthians. I went back this week and looked. I've never preached or taught on 2 Corinthians since I've been here, and I, I can tell you why. It's a hard book to preach and teach on because it's a very personal letter. It's not very theological. It's not something you can easily go passage by passage on. But today we're just going to do a word study and just see what is it we see that Paul desperately wants to share uh, with this church. And so we're going to look to what Paul says, but also look to Wesley's life. And let me go ahead and say this to you. This is the tough. I haven't written the sermons yet, but this is going to be the toughest one. You stay with me today, come back, and we'll get through the others, okay? I know, I know it's not a word. This is the preachiest. This is going to be the preachiest of all the sermons of what God wants to do in us, of what God through Christ can do in us and through us. And we, don't want to, we don't want to miss that. So let's be open to what Paul's saying to the church, what the Spirit's saying uh, to the church, but also then to hear from Father Wesley about how he experienced God. So if you have notes uh, there, we're going to look together at 1 Corinthians and see what is it that Paul has to say to us about our life with God. And the first note there would be simply this. It's a separate life. That first blank there, it's a separate life. I'll come to the second blank in a minute for Wesley. But for Paul, just like you see that word throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we are to be set apart, we're to be separate, uh, meaning that at the root word, we're to be holy, that our lives are to be separate from any stain or sin or darkness. And you see it here uh, in these verses we've looked at. I think there's 20. I think there's 20 therefores in all of 2 Corinthians. And so often what you get with Paul is, therefore, be this. And, and routinely here in this letter, it's be holy. Be separate. Because of what Christ has done for you, therefore, be this. And we get it in 517. Therefore, you're a new creature and new things have come. In chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore, come out from the midst of those who are lost to sin and be separate. That Greek word meaning be set apart and be separate from sin. And if you want to live a life separate from sin, we're going to talk about the disciplines we need to be about, but sometimes that means we need to draw ourselves away, as Paul says, from certain people. How hard is that? But what a gift. What a gift to this world that so desperately needs to see somebody so jealous for their faith in Christ Jesus that they might have to take a step back. It's really a gift. I know it sounds offensive, but it's really a gift. And then the other, therefore, from our verse in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, therefore, cleanse yourself from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Now, Paul's saying this word. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 24, he's saying this word because he loves them. We'll talk in the future that there was actually a letter in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. 
And Paul says it was covered in tears. He loves this church. He founded this church. And so this is a very personal and, 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 a, and a really a letter of struggle for him. But because he loves, and that's what chapter 2, 24 says, because he loves, he just doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't pull any punches with these believers. That They can be something new. They can be set apart. And I love the other times, and I've given you in your notes several verses from 2 Corinthians to go back to later. But I want to do a word study here. You just see this word keep coming up. Chapter 3, verse 18. He uses the word, you can be transformed. It's where we get the word, the Greek word, where we get the word metamorphosis. That in Christ, through the leading and filling of his spirit, we can be changed and must be changed. And look, I know word study is boring, but we got to do that work. Matter of fact, I bumped into that yesterday, the importance of what a word can mean and not mean. We were visiting with Sarah's parents, and her brother called the family, apparently to give us a report about his wife. We, um, Sarah's mom hit the speaker button, and this was his report. Hey, y'all, Elizabeth passed. Her test. Oh, okay. I'm glad that we didn't know. We knew she was taking a, pass, a test at some point, but there was a little pause, a little um. When you say Elizabeth passed, that can mean several things. We thought she had died, or at least I did. Got to do the word study. And you see here in 318, here's this word that Paul used to say, you can be transformed. Chapter 416, you can be renewed in your inner person. The three verses we talked about, new, separate, cleansed, 1112. His desire is to present the church as spotless, as pure before God. And then he lists all these things. Sometimes we've got to separate ourselves from people. But in chapter 12, 20 through 21, he says, hey, here's a laundry list. Separate yourselves from this kind of sin in your life and in your heart. And then the kicker, the last chapter, the closing word, chapter 13, 9, I just want you to be complete. Now, he uses a different word there for holiness in some translations. Some try to soften it, but I love that word complete. I want you to be whole. I want you to have a whole life. But in other translations, and I think it's a good reading of the Greek word, I'm writing these things, you'll be perfect. I want every part of your, your affections, every part of your imagination, every part of your life, all of your words to be full, complete, and perfect. And that's, that's something you find throughout Wesley. And that's the second blank there. It's not just a separate life, but it's a sanctified life. That would be the word that Wesley would use, either perfection or perfecting or sanctifying grace. It's a sanctified life. And you can't miss that in Wesley. He would say early on in his journals, I had always been taught that we ought to have victory over sin, that it's an essential of the faith. But then I was sometimes, if not often, I was conquered. Been there? But then he wrote, but now I'm conqueror. Now it's not because of what he's done. It's because of what Christ's done and, and, allow, and, and allowing Christ to, to, to pour out his life in his heart so he can live that kind of life. And it's interesting. Um, and again, just a reminder too, when, when he was on his deathbed, one of the last things he ever said was, there is no way into holiness but by the blood of Christ. So again, it's, it's not some legalistic hoop we jump through. But I love how Wesley reminds us, as Paul does as well, that we, we ought to be separate. We've got to be separate. There, there, there are things, as, as, as Paul does, says in chapter 12, there are things we have to avoid. It's interesting what Wesley does. He keeps railing on. If you read that 500-page journal, which I would encourage you to do, railing on about Sabbath breaking or cursing or, or, or uh, 
uh, several other things to, to avoid and separate yourself from. Uh, but then also, he echoes what Paul said. And this is hard. There are times you need to pull back from, from other folks if they're going to drag you down. And he speaks about one time he was preaching in a street. And he said, this will be my topic for today. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? And before he could say anything else, a man who had been passing by on horseback stopped on his horse, got down, and by Wesley's description, he said the man changed color and began to tremble. And before Wesley could say a word, the man's friend, drunken friend, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, pulled him back on the horse, and they rode away. That close to receiving grace. That close to responding to the word, but it was a friend who pulls him away. There are times where separation in the, in the right speaking of the word, for my holiness, for me to stay close to God, I've got to be separate. Anybody pulling you away from Christ, they might have to go away. And again, perfection is not just what you do or how we live. Don't miss that. It's just a heart full of love for God and for others. And Paul uses the word complete. I love what Wesley said when he was preaching to a church in Launceston. He said, it's wholeness. I just want you to be whole. But then he added, oh, how few are willing to be made whole. C.S. Lewis in his book and his lectures for mere Christianity said, when God said be perfect, he meant it. He meant that we must go on in for the we must go in for the full treatment. It's hard. But the sort of compromise we're hankering after is harder. In fact, it's impossible. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less. What's that next step for me? What's that next step for you? That we can take that next step into completeness and wholeness. Lord, have, I know I've been holding back this part of my heart or this part of my life or this part of my devotion schedule so that I might be, that you might be, as Paul has said to this church, renewed day by day in your being. That you might be transformed, or as he says, your image from glory to glory. That's God's great desire. Not only that we be saved, but that he, he's so good and so powerful that he would do a work in us, to move us towards his holiness. And here's this second, this second point. It's not only do you see in Paul and in Wesley this commitment to a separate life or a, a sanctified life, but you see it in 2 Corinthians a lot, this word that comes up called sincere. And that'd be the second one for note takers. It's a sincere life. The other word he uses a lot in the Greek has to do with earnestness. But just a couple of verses I've given you there in, in your notes. Chapter 112, and when he talks about an earnest life or a sincere life, it means, now think about this. That root word in Greek actually means I can take your life and I can hold it up to the sun and it's, it's fine. I don't feel that way. Do you feel that way? Lord, take my life, hold it up to the brightness of the sun and it's gonna be just fine. That kind of revealing but Paul says to the church, because of what Christ has done, because of the Spirit in your life, that's the kind of life I want you to have. A life where there's completeness and fullness and 
Chapter 2, verse 17, same thing. He talks about a sincere life. Chapter 6, 6, he gets a little preachy here. He says a sincere love. And the, the root word he uses here for sincerity there is unhypocritical. Now, you know what that word means. I think in Hebrew it means two hearts, don't have two hearts. But in the Greek word there, he talks about an actor on a stage. That's the root word of hypocrite. Somebody who goes on the stage and says one thing, but is really something else. He's just playing a part. And so what Paul's saying to the church It's that kind of love that I desire for you, a love of of purity, of sincerity, of earnestness that's without any form of hypocrisy. says the same thing in chapter 8, 8, sincere love, a genuine love. And then he doesn't say purity of devotion in the Greek. It's just purity, but 11, 3, it reminds us again, that's what I desire for you, church, this church that he loves, that he's founded, that he has weeped over. I I just want your life to be fully fully sincere before the Lord. And Wesley picks up on that. When you watch his life in his journal, and I think the word I would use here, because it's a word I see all the time in his journal, is serious. For Paul, it's sincere. But for Wesley, that, the life that we're to live is to be a serious life. Now, Wesley was full of life, so don't miss me. Methodists, y'all are full of life. And I love that about our church, right? Full of personality, full of life. We ought to be. We're in Christ. We ought to have the most joy. We ought to laugh more deeply than anybody. But Wesley, and he wasn't talking, by the way, he wasn't talking about his nerdy self because Wesley was, when he talks about the word serious in some of his journal, what he means is everybody shut their mouth and kept their eyes on me. He really means that. I'm, I'm not talking about that use of the word. The other way he uses the word, he's talking about people who want to take the next step. That you love Jesus but I want to take that next step into what he has for me, for my family, for my work, in my devotional life, in the ways that I serve, in the ways that I share him. And though Wesley gives his full attention to those kinds of people. And it's interesting, too, because you look at his journal, and, and early on, you've got him preaching to all kinds of people, large crowds, but it's him giving his time to those, and again, it's his word, who were taking seriously uh, their faith. They, uh, I know he gets a little bit overboard in his seriousness. They woke up... a. a, a they called him his worship. So I, I guess he was a magistrate or something. But they went and woke him up and had Wesley in their arms, this mob. We'll talk about that, how many mobs took Wesley to be arrested. Sometimes tried to kill him. Uh, but they took him to this magistrate. Wake up! And this is the middle of the night. Wake up! We want you to arrest him. And the, and the, and the, and the, justice, the, the justice, the worship said, I don't want to hear y'all. And he went back to bed. But his son would relay what they ended up saying. And it's interesting. He said, what are the charges? Why are you upset? There were two things. Number one, he makes, he makes people sing psalms all day. But this was the kicker. He makes people get up at 5 a.m. Wesley got up every morning at 4 a.m. for his devotions. And at 5 a.m. every morning he was preaching somewhere. And he encouraged people to gather together, whether weekly, sometimes daily. But if, if you're going to be, if you're going to grow in your faith, you've got, and we'll talk about this in weeks together. We t- I know we talk about it all the time. You just got to connect with other believers and grow. Arrest him because he's making you get up at five o'clock. 
Why is he making them get up at 5 o'clock? I want y'all to join. Tomorrow, we're going to be here at 5. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll be here at 5. <laughs> Why? You want to take the next step? And that's where you get Wesley's attention. It was just interesting watching the crowds grow. That early on in his preaching, see a crowd of, of 5,000. And, and the next verse, in the uh, next entry in the journal. Think about it. Can you imagine 5,000 people in one place and, and hearing preaching? And uh, the next day, I got with this little group. Well, you just came from 5,000. Don't you want to race to the next 5,000? No, I just got with this. And it's that kind of life, that, that kind of serious life that, that, that when you and I will say, just keep taking that next step. That, that only changes us, but it changes the world. Sarah just read uh, a book about Elizabeth Elliot. If you remember, her husband and several others were killed by an unreached tribe in Ecuador. Nathan Saint, Jim Elliott, and several others back in the 60s, I believe, 60s. And uh, there was an, uh, uh, somebody sent from Life magazine, uh, one of the largest publications, magazines of that time. A man was sent, an atheist, but he was sent to Ecuador to learn more about uh, their deaths. And he lived and lived in the same little place with Elizabeth Elliott and inter- interviewed her. And eventually he had begun to reveal some things to her. And he said, I don't believe your Bible. Never going to believe your Bible. But then he read the journals of Jim Elliott and Nathan Saint and everybody there. Here's the hard truth. I believe it. Their sincerity, I believe it. I don't accept it. Still push back. But reading their lives and their devotion and how they took that next step after next step of the sincerity, the seriousness of their lives, that kind of impact. Don't believe the scriptures. I see them. Oh, the scriptures may be real. Look how it was real for them. And you see John Wesley giving his time and attention to people who do that. It's not just 5,000. But then you later in his preaching, 6,000. Then 10,000. To a field preaching of 20,000. Listen. Whatever fan, and I don't have them all memorized, but read Green Coliseum, fill it at Southern. You got it in your mind? The pavilion at Ole Miss, got it, got it filled in your mind? You got the hump filled in your mind? Double it. It's 20,000. And then the next journal entry, there was this little group who had formed, a little society. I went to be with them. And later we find him preaching. This is just unbelievable to me without microphones and stuff. Over 100,000 people gathered to hear Wesley preach in different places. All of those opportunities to say, yes, be saved. The world was his parish. That was always on his mind. But then you just get journal entry after journal entry. I concluded the day with a small, serious company. I went to see a little earnest company. There was a backslider, and I spent an hour with him. He left the 99 to get the one, not because the one was lost, but because the one said, I, don't want, I want to be as unlost as I can be. I'm going to take that next step. What's that for you? What's that for me? In our devotion, in our evangelism, in our family life, in our work, uh, how is it we can continue to grow in that next step? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for what Paul reminds us. Because of Jesus, we can be new. 
And I pray that for us, Father, as unworthy as we feel to hear that, we thank you that by the blood of the Lamb, by the power of your Spirit, you desire and can do that in our lives. Father, help us to take whatever steps it may be so that we might love you fully, that we also might be whole and complete. Would your Holy Spirit help us to show us how to respond to that? And then also, just in our lives, Father, just so we can, we can grow and, 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 and love you and, and be all that we are to be in you, uh, show us those next steps, we pray. Bless now our response, and it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.